You're listening to Craving the Future with Michael Perman. As a futurist and someone who galvanizes teams to think and act differently, Michael has been leading innovators, designers, and creators for over 25 years. Each interview will offer a unique conversation with the most brilliant, creative, and outside-the-box perspectives that exist today. Michael's guests are filled with humor and have a fresh take on exploring the future ahead. Welcome to Craving the Future with Michael Perman. Peter Himmelman is a man of creative renaissance and has been since his early 1970s bar mitzvah in St. Louis Park, Minnesota, where we both attended high school. Since those early days, Peter has been one of America's most prolific singer-songwriters, having written and produced dozens of albums, as well as music for movies and successful television shows such as Bones and Judging Amy. His most recent album is ironically called There Is No Calamity, but one of my personal favorites is The Boat That Carries Us, which is a blend of poetic intimacy and energetic rejoicing that tells a story of traveling through ambiguity and hope, ending with the song Hotter, Brighter Sun, which comes across to me as a ballad for innovation. Over the edge of what's expected Off to the side of what's been done Beyond what's already been detected There runs a Peter is also a visual artist, a black belt in Shotokan Karate, contributing writer to Forbes and author of the creativity book called Let Me Out. His life's work has led to creation of the consulting firm Big Muse, which helps individuals and organizations unlock their creative potential through music. Today, we'll learn Peter's perspective on the state of the music business, what drives his flavor of expression, and learn what he craves for the future of creativity. Hello, Peter. Hi, Michael. Why is it that I often start our conversations in this falsetto British voice? Well, I'm not sure. Maybe Minnesotan voice is sort of... It's a little bit stupid sounding, don't you know? I guess so. We have a bit of that in us. But might it be that you're a poet, and I feel like talking British to you is poetic or encourages your poetry? It it could. I mean, it encourages yours, certainly. I mean, do you think of yourself as a poet? It depends. Those those things come and go. When I'm making eggs, you know, on a Sunday morning in my underwear, my pajamas or something, I'm not really too poetical. But sometimes you get into it. It comes and goes. It's great to be here in your studio, in front of your collection of guitars, your boxing rink, your complete keyboard, your classical piano, and everything else. It feels like this is the epicenter of Peter Himmelman. This is like the, you know, this is, this is where it happens. It's nice to have a little space like this. And there are times that the space just does not call out to me. You know, it's just... So all these tools, and sometimes they just, I don't have any impetus to work or to write or to do anything. And other times, like this past three weeks or so, it's, it's nigh on a mania. And I can't get away. I can't, 
I can't get away from this room. I lay down at night to go to sleep and my mind is buzzing with ideas. So what happened? I mean, what, what led to this new wave and, and what's your flavor of creativity? Well, I think the new wave, it's not a new wave. It's been, it's been with me probably since I'm a kid. It's, I've only recently started to sort of take notice of the, of the ebb and flow of, of this sort of, um, you know, departure and return departure into this creative universe and then return to whatever, some sort of normal life. This has been an extreme one. And I, funny, I was thinking about this. There had been a profile on me in the Chicago Tribune about three weeks ago. And in the profile, I was talking about how the songwriting tap was just for me had turned off. And when I read the actual feature, seeing how I had said the tap was turned off, somehow turned it right back on. You know, it was startling to see, wait a minute, the tap's off. Something is all very subconscious. So there's some uh, shock value to it that jolts you back into somehow the creative it's, it's state? it's very hard to predict. And, and uh, you know, I always look at well, taking songs, for example, very much like a uh, the process of human reproduction. There's a accordingly a seminal moment. There's some emotional something that gets to me, and it might be just a quick thing. You know, some I don't know. There a couple nights ago, there was this super moon, and I was driving a pickup fish tacos for myself and my wife. Very pedestrian, just walk, you know, driving down the street in a hurry, and all of a sudden, this moon, which it I didn't know there was going to be a super moon, so I was unprepared, and because it was so unique and so peculiar, you should probably get this from a normal moon, but we've become inured to normal moons, and just we have to clouds and rain. This moon shocked me into some kind of. You mentioned poetical mood. Mm-hmm. And it made me start thinking about my sister who had died in a car crash about 15 years ago. And I literally had to pull my car over to the side of the road and I started writing a song. Um, I didn't finish it then. I finished it later after the fish tacos had been digested. But it's those catalytic moments that have a gestation period. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to say if it's going to be eight months or or like a tzitzi fly. It could be ten minutes. But eventually they pop out. See, I, and I think a lot of your music is this intersection between energetic exuberance and soulful poetry. And so I can see you driving over to the side of the road at that moment to capture that. Um, is, is there flavor that, to your creativity? Well... It, it goes from, uh, sometimes it's cinnamon. That's a common one. That's an upbeat, energetic. You're a cinnamon boy. Uh-huh. My, you know, Neil Young, cinnamon boy. It's, mm-hmm. it's an outtake. I want to do a podcast with the cinnamon man. Yeah, so there's that flavor. And then there is uh, sort of molasses 
sweet but not overbearing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more in the bitter, sweet chocolate zone, or even almost bitter. Um, you know, it, it makes me think about something that's off topic slightly, but tangentially related. Mm-hmm. My Hebrew name, my name is Peter Matthew. That's my English name. But my essential name is Pesach Mordechai. Pesach in Hebrew alludes to the mouth which speaks. That's one piece. And the other, for those who know the holiday of Passover, Pesach means uh, a, a transcendence, mm-hmm. a leaping forth out of the material world. But Mordechai, the second name, my middle name, is relating to the bitter herbs in the in the temple that used to stand 2,700 years ago. And somebody explained to me, I, and I liked it, said that, the the bitter herb, the bitter spice was necessary to tether you somewhat to the earth, so that you didn't fly off the handle. But if it was only bitterness, you wouldn't you wouldn't ascend. Mm-hmm. So I I understand in terms of flavor, there's a couple of those. So it was Bashert. You know, your name was Bashert for the kind of work that you're doing. I think so, especially the transcending. So I think of you as one of the people who has transcended the gyrations of the music business, the democratization, and to some extent, the devaluation of business. And you came out the other side with some brilliant concepts. Um, what did that experience teach you about yourself? Well, I'll, I'll explain what it taught me. But first, let's not uh, necessarily call it a transcendence. You know, I think that it was an inadvertent transcendence. I would have loved to have sold as many records as you too, so that perhaps I wouldn't have had to reinvent myself. I would not have had to undergo the transcendence. And I think in general, reinventions, which we laud in people, we're very, we're very admiring of people who have reinvented themselves. It has a very laudatory tone. But it's also important to know that with every reinvention, there's a commensurate, uh, ignominious sensation. There's a feeling of, of abject terror, of failure, of, of an assumption that things go a certain way, but vexingly crashes and goes another way. So I have experienced many, many things that did not go my way. And as I said, it's commensurate. So on the other hand, um, those assumptions which didn't meet out or evince themselves in reality have led to very exciting things in my life. And uh, the making of new music, also the opportunity, which had never occurred to me at, at in my young days, of helping other people advance their own creative ideas. And how much joy there is uh, for me in that and sort of helping and facilitating other people's growth, whether it's individuals or even corporations, as you mentioned. Mm -hmm. Well, and reinvention is a theme, I think, for you as well. And so if you look to the future of creativity in general, what do you see? How is creativity itself going to be reinvented? Well, I, I kind of think about uh, 
The word subversion comes to mind a lot. Um, I believe that we are fed by many means, technological and otherwise, we're fed a steady diet um, of what we lack, of paucity, of limitations. And in order to, to use your word, to transcend those limitations, we're falsely led to this belief that we must purchase something. Um, I'm kind of of the mind that would like to say, no, 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 we don't really have to purchase a new guitar. We just need to learn some new chords on our old guitar. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't really need to buy things to give us joy. We need to create our own things, perhaps write something. I'm my mom who's 84 just wrote, or she'd been accumulating these beautiful stories and and created a memoir. And my daughter edited it and my niece made a cover. It's going to be a hardcover book. It should be delivered to her in a couple of days. It's so beautiful. And all her grandchildren and great-grandchildren wrote uh, a, a piece in the end of the book. But this idea of taking charge and making your own things and sharing them with other people, which is always a huge part of it, not just keeping them. I think that's the future. And there's so many technologies available at, at, you know, incredibly low cost or free that allow us to avail ourselves of our own creativity. If we did this, and the subversion aspect is, I think the entire economy would collapse. Creative subversion. And what what are you holding now? What kind of guitar are you uh, holding at the moment? Well, this guitar is a beautiful. I don't even know the model number. It's a new new Martin that looks like an old Martin. Mm-hmm. It's black with a white trim. It's very light. It's called a parlor size guitar, so it's sort of small. It's for like. Like creative blues guy. You do a creative subversion song? Yeah, creative subversion. Playing on my guitar. Got the same old strings. Don't need to look at a magazine. Don't need to buy no things. I got it all in my hands. Anything to bring me joy. When it comes down to it, damn world is my special toy really nice riff and I like that it's a toy because there's so much to play with in just your, a toy your, whole... uh, your world is, uh, of creativity is, is teaching people to think of music uh, and song as a toy because they're normally very afraid in the big muse work that you do people have fears and obstacles in their life and it's like music becomes this beautiful toy for them I but say it, to you know to companies, it's not. I, I don't think the best marketing tool, perhaps, but it's certainly honest. Um, we're going to Boeing, for example, in a week, and uh, really, what we do is we make people feel like they did in third grade, literally, like they are. The world is new again, and 
that can become the beginning of, you know, of an innovation process. It is the crucible of fiery creativity, which when led to, you know, the idea of a creating a new product or service or even a new form of communication, that's where things start and that's where they change. You have to embrace and be coaxed and, and uh, given permission to access this inner third grader. Hmm. What are people, what is the, the craving that you're satisfying when you go to Boeing and they have this third grader mind that they're trying to connect with? What is the urge that you're... Well, if the leadership is really, you know, sort of in line. I have a friend of mine uh, from Europe who, who just was ahead of his big corporate uh, financial entity. And he quit. He says it was too corporate, too hierarchical. And I said, well, t- what does that mean? So we were having lunch and he took a glass and he said, you know, imagine that the task was to turn the glass 360 degrees, but you had a whole committee moving a little bit to the right. And then somebody saying, man, maybe you need to go a little back to the left and all sorts of fear so that somebody just didn't sweep in and just say, turn the thing 360 degrees. It said it would take him six months to do something he could accomplish in an hour. So by getting people out of this rote framework, this hierarchical framework, and certainly you need the, the, uh, the ascent of the, of the leadership to do this, you can cut from A to, to Z. You don't have to go through all these mini steps that are, are quite useless in many cases. Uh, a child isn't conformed to work with these standards and hierarchies. It just, just does something. It just makes sense. Many times people, I spent some time in the Soviet Union just before it turned. I was so frustrated. Getting a hotel, nobody could say yes or no. Nobody really cared. It was so frustrating. Does anyone want to take ownership here? And I think that's part of it. Joy and enthusiasm, taking ownership, allowing that creativity to flow, allowing employees and people to take ownership is so important. And I think with disruption on our heels, you know, and I have to mention Amazon, but it's just this giant monster, whatever you think of it, you know, it's a friendly monster or it's a horrible monster, but it's huge and it's coming to swallow you whole. And you better think in a way that you haven't before. You better get fleet. You better get quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it gets a little scary. And um, uh, when people feel constricted, uh, they're not at their best. No, they're at their worst. Yeah. And how about you in your professional life? Sounds like you get a lot of joy um, from the big muse and from this experience, like the one you're going to have and at Boeing. What do you crave in your professional life? Well, I just, you know, I crave uh, that the tap just beyond my... Sometimes I, I catch myself and I say, I just, I've talked to other artist types, you know, even people in business that love their stuff or entrepreneurs. Don't let me be caught. Don't anyone catch me being a child in a certain way, in a childlike way, or having this means to evince 
my childlike self. Um, I feel sometimes like um, I'm getting away with something. Um, I just want it to continue. I crave not something totally new. We happen to be going on safari in March, um, working in South Africa. And a part of it is a safari. And like, I love that idea, but it, it doesn't necessarily eclipse what I do in this room on a daily basis. There's magic everywhere. Right. And it seems like you find it. Hopefully. Thank you. We're at time, Peter. Any uh, little riff you want to play while we well, say goodbye? Um, just uh, I'll go out with some blues. You have your closing comments? Or... Thank you, Peter Himmelman. It's been great to be here with you in this studio. And uh, tune in next time for another episode of Craving the Future. for listening to Craving the Future. Our musical director is Peter Himmelman, announcer and branding expert Lisa Schneiderman, and your host, Michael Perman. For more information about Michael and his company, visit us at saywhat.org. That's C-E-S-T-W-H-A-T dot org. Beyond what's already been detected There burns a heart Beneath the bed Which hides the essence Beyond the words That's got been shunned